You're listening to I Hate the Fins. I don't even know what the hell episode this is anymore because we've had some audio trouble as of late. So we're kind of, we have a bunch of half episodes. We have one that's complete that's all ripped up because we kept losing <clears throat> connection with uh, our uh, ringer platform that we use to record this show. So I can assure you we've been recording com- content. We're not sitting here uh, hiding or choosing to ignore what's going on right now because we have actual news to talk about today. Yesterday, we said this last week, you'll hear that episode at some point. Uh, we thought the Dolphins would beat the Jets on Sunday. They did rather uh, rather easily when you really think about it because I saw the early touchdown, 7 nothing. Dolphins are losing. I thought, ah, maybe the Jets will get them. And then I turn around and it's 21-12. My name is Keith, by the way. I'm your host. Zach, my co-host, as always, with me. So, really, this episode serves one purpose in my mind, and that's to talk people off the ledge in terms of the tank, or the perceived tank, whatever people want to call it right now. So, we discussed last week that Chase Young is the best player in the 2020 draft, and if you're picking number two, the tank's not a fail. You're not getting the guy everyone thinks Miami wants in Tua, who we think will go at number one. But Chase Young at number two, a lot of people think that would happen. But you see a lot of mocks out there. Bleacher Report. Nah, I, I can talk about Bleacher Report on this show, right? That's cool, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, we'll, we'll let it slide this time. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure if my hand gets slapped for that. <laughs> for uh, What is that called? Uh, cross-pollination? Uh, a lot of Joe Burrow at number two. I saw Bleacher Report also put it out there that they had the Dolphins when they were picking number two overall had t- taking the LSU quarterback who has a big game on Saturday. Pretty much in terms of what's either going to turn this fan base baby crazy with him getting a quarterback if he if he shows out. And if he doesn't, I think it's going to set some people back. Where are we currently picking, like, fourth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are, like, technically fourth, maybe fifth at this point. I know they're right on the cusp of fifth. But the thing to keep in mind is Jets and Cincinnati still play this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so someone's going to win a game there, unless they, you know, tie, which would be <laughs> funny, I guess. I don't know. What do you even say to that? Uh, Atlanta, I think, is ahead of us right now. You have to think maybe they win one more game. I don't know. It's so tough to tell. And then you got Washington. And then, of course, you know, the, we mentioned the Jets. Um, I think we currently have the tiebreaker over them. So, uh, I mean, it's not ideal, but let's just go ahead and try to take this from suppose. Let's go worst case scenario. Let's say the Dolphins are picking fifth which sounds pretty lousy when you think about where they were sitting a little over 24 hours ago. Then we'll say 36 hours ago. So what would you do? Man, you got a lot of draft capital. I hate the idea of using a bunch of it to get back what they lost yesterday. I mentioned that on Twitter. But realistically, what would you do if you had the fifth pick in the 2020 NFL draft? The fifth pick? I'd trade the hell out of that pick. Just keep accumulating more picks. Okay. Um, but no, I'm assuming we're actually talking take a, a player at five. Um, 
Yeah, I sure, mean, take I, a think, I think again we've talked about we talked about it really early on um, when there was the pen- potential that the Steelers pick was going to be you know seven, eight, nine, something like that. That you might snag an offensive tackle. I think that's that's a pretty prime spot to grab whoever the top offensive tackle may be, um, and people feel a little bit about a little bit better about picking an offensive tackle, you know, at five instead of one, two, or three somewhere in there. Um, I think I think there's a chance that you have a Jeffrey Okuda in play there. Um, I don't. I still don't know how I feel about that. Um, and then and then from there, it's it's the draft board's really ugly quite honestly, between five and 12. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that right now could fall in there. Um, there's a lot of guys that I don't know if I love in there. Um, you know, I think, I think the value for guys after your top handful of guys, you know, Chase Young, Jerry, Judy, Tua, um, I, I put Derek Brown in that, that top handful as well, uh, from Auburn, the defensive tackle. Um, but I mean, I think the next, you know, six to eight guys that could fall in that range feel too rich for that range. But at the same time, you wouldn't fault anybody for taking them in those spots. So, um, I mean, there's a guy that, that could go really high is Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. He's a linebacker. I don't think the Dolphins would need him. Um, him and Jerome Baker are very sim- similar in what they do. Um, I mean... They could take a receiver. I think they feel good about Preston Williams, even though he he went down for the year in the Jets game. Um, I think they feel good about Devontae Parker, and they're going to get at least enough out of him for the two years of what his contract now justifies dollars-wise. Um, and then I think they're you know being cautiously optimistic with uh, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. Jakeem just hasn't had a very good year. Albert Wilson's still hurt, so they're they're still trying to figure that out. But I mean, I think five's a little rich for a wide receiver unless you're talking Jerry Judy. If Jerry Judy's there for some reason, you obviously grab him. Um, so I think while five would be unsexy, I think you could take an offensive tackle and people would be happy. Yeah, Andrew Thomas could be there. Uh, you have yep. to you have to figure he's going to end up grading out as the the top guy, and then yeah, it. Pretty much through that stretch, because one and two, I mean, if the Jets finish with the second pick, they're obviously going to take Chase Young, which would be horrible. Uh, And then I don't know if Joe Burrow figures into that range, because Atlanta, you think, is going to do something. And that, of of course, in this scenario, Atlanta would be ahead of them. And it's so weird to be able to try to prognosticate this on, what is it, November 4th. But this does serve a purpose in that it just shows you that even when you have options, if you fall to fifth, you're still getting like an Andrew Thomas, who is one of the better offensive tackles I've seen come out. If he is in a while, he's good. He's excellent. Actually, uh, you mentioned Okuda. He's in my mind, probably going to be the top corner. That'd be great. Uh, Jerry Judy will be in there. So options to be had. I personally, I mean, you love to see him finish too. Cause then, I mean, you can, realistically if you want to take chase young but if you took andrew thomas at five in my mind then you use that steelers pick to trade up to get your quarterback right yeah i mean you could definitely do that and and going back to andrew thomas i think 
I think people are going to look at him and say he looks like an ugly offensive tackle, but he moves really well for a, a thicker, heavier looking guy. He reminds me a lot of uh, Peters from the Eagles. They're both kind of ugly looking, like 6'4", 6'5", thick, two, you know, almost probably, th- you know, 325, 330, uh, but they move super, super well for their size, and they're very good, proficient run blockers. Um I think Thomas has a little bit more beef to push around, uh, a little bit more strength, but I think um, he's just a guy that knows how to position his body between himself, defenders, and the quarterback and or the running back at that point. But again, um, what you were saying about what do you do with that Steelers pick, I think at that point you have the ammunition if there's a quarterback that you want to go back up and get. Um, If you feel that Joe Burrow's your guy and other people just aren't buying it. Um, I'd find that hard to believe that, you know, the Dolphins believe that don't take him at five and then say, oh yeah, he is our guy. We're coming back for him. Um, I think they'll pull the trigger trigger at five if he is. Mm -hmm. Um, Quite honestly, I think if they have a guy, they'll pull it at five regardless. So that's the only problem I see uh, with them trading back up to get a quarterback. Because if you don't take him at five, I'd, I just don't feel like he's your guy. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to take that risk of somebody else taking him, you know, six through, you know, even eight, let's say. Um, So that's the only reason I don't think they may trade up for a quarterback, but you never know. They may just play the game. I guess when I asked that question, I had guys like Jordan Love and your boy, Justin Herbert in mind. Because, I mean, guys who really come into play outside the top 10 you imagine i mean a lot can change between now and april stranger things have happened too but i mean there's so many options there uh i twitter is so weird in that i noticed on a sunday there i follow people on twitter who are really into the dolphins who think Justin herbert is absolutely their guy mm-hmm in April. And that fascinates me because then you have a contingent of people who think he is absolute rad ass. So, yeah, I I mean, I've, I've been, you know, I, I hit on Herbert a lot. Um, and I think it's a little unfair at times. I think at the end of the day, my biggest problem with Herbert is people are saying that he is like a top three, no brainer quarterback over the past year and change when like, he's just never been that. If people have just said, like, yeah, he's a first-round quarterback, he's got good size, he's got a crazy arm, but he's got to still put some pieces together, you know, if you're telling me he's a, a 8 to 25 in the first round kind of guy, I, I have no issue with the conversation like that around Justin Herbert. But just to say that he's a top three guy, no-brainer, because he's big, can throw the shit out of the ball and run it, like, right. it's just it just isn't that. Jerry Judy's kind of a fascinating pick because mm-hmm. I've kind of, I've kind of ruled him out just in terms of it seems like we're quarterback or bust, but God, he's so good. Yeah, he's oh good. yeah, I have him ranked higher than two on my board. Like Jerry Judy is one of the best receivers to come out in a long time. You know, I mean he he's got a full all around skill set. It'll be interesting to see what he measures in at um, if he comes in at that uh, Amari Cooper six one that'd be nicer, but he doesn't play the same kind of football. Um, They both run really good routes. They both have good feet. 
but Amari Cooper's a little bit thicker and a little bit more post you up kind of guy if he needs to. Where Judy's just going to beat you with his his ability to get off the line of scrimmage and just outdo you in the route. Um, and then once he gets the ball, I think he's a different run after catch kind of guy than um, Amari Cooper. Um, it sounds weird to say, but he reminds me a lot of Jarvis when Jarvis had the ball in his hands. Uh, Judy's just actually fast. So while he can put some nice moves on you, he can actually run with the football too. Jerry Judy to me looks like the quarterback the Packers would create in a lab because he does everything that team wants. Like he he can spread you out. I mean, he's so good. I mean, pretty much in tight. His routes are near flawless. As far as I can tell, like really good, like, like excellent speed after the catch. I mean, like it's going to pale in comparison to rugs since rugs is just an absolute flamethrower out there. But I mean, he's just, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I saw some rumor that Atlanta was after him. Which would be amusing because that would they would be one piece <laughs> away from the the Mount Rushmore of Bama wide receivers this century. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just if they took another wide receiver in the first round like that, like I would just question everything. I mean, not that I don't already question everything. Fucking Thomas Dimitrov does already. <laughs> um, have you seen that man's hair? Yeah, I was just going to say I was going to make ta- some wild draft picks. I was going to talk about the hair actually. I see a lot of people at Planet Fitness with that hair when I go and live. Yes. He's got that hair. Yeah. That hair, um, his hair game. I don't know. It's It seems so strange to sit there and try to nail things down on November 4th. But, I mean, tell people why they shouldn't panic right now. Because there are a lot of people flipping out on Dolphins Twitter talking about how the tank is a fail. It's over. This team can't even lose properly, which I mean, <laughs> I mean that's fair to say. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from from a grieving Dolphins Dolphins uh, Twitter nation. But what do you think? If you had to talk them off the ledge, what would you say? I mean, I would just say that it's it's a strong draft class, and I mean, we just talked worst case scenario. Like, I can't fathom the Dolphins picking lower than five. Like that'd be insane. They'd have to win at least three or four more games. Um, I don't necessarily see that happening. I could see them being a two, three, maybe, maybe, maybe a four win team. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, I think we just talked worst case scenario. And I think most people would be pretty damn happy with Chase Young, Jerry Judy, Tua, or Andrew Thomas. And there's a chance that Joe Burrow's in there. So I think the top five, you're still pretty safe. If there is a case where, God forbid, the Dolphins don't get Tua, God forbid somebody else takes Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow's not their guy, either or. I think there's no chance that they walk away without a quarterback in this draft. So right. if you are looking forward to seeing a young quarterback play in some capacity in 2020, I believe it'll happen regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, they have a lot of draft picks in 2021. And like, Again, I don't like to play the grass is always greener. Um, the ideal situation is still to get Tua. But I mean, the 2021 draft could be a pretty damn good draft class. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence can put it back together, that's awesome. I think Justin Fields is awesome. Um, God, he is just and, and like, out of his mind this year. And like, have you all watched the Baltimore Ravens play football this year? Which, somebody living in Baltimore, <laughs> it's so freaking annoying to listen to Ravens fans because this time last year when I moved to Baltimore all they were doing was 
bitching and moaning about how this quarterback that they drafted in the end of the first round that they wasted a pick on because he can't throw it, he's just going to run it, is going to like take over for their milk toast messiah in Joe Flacco. <laughs> like, and, and they're just bitching and moaning. And like, listen, like 90% of Ravens fans show up in camo Joe Flacco jersey. So like, they also drafted a young black man from Louisville. Not going to... Not going to push it that far, but <laughs> they they all were hated Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson gets put in. Their offense becomes relatively fun in his first year. They make the playoffs, and now they're good, and they're like, Lamar Jackson's the best thing to ever happen to us. It's like, yeah, none of you ever watched any freaking college football, so you wouldn't know any different. You just liked a big, tall, white guy that could throw the football all the way out of the stadium. So I'm... Um, Living in Baltimore is a fucking nightmare right now. Oh, yeah. Unibrow could absolutely, in his prime, pretty much put that thing in the next in the next zip code for sure. Uh, I'm, ha- yeah. I'm happy for Lamar Jackson. I'm under the impression that oh, Lamar's a pretty decent dude. Yeah, and, 100%. And, I mean, like, he got a lot of unfair criticism last year. People talking about how teams didn't need to take the ball out of his hands and, like, force him to be a, a receiver and all this other crap. And you know what? I give that dude props. He didn't what? He didn't even run a 40 at the combine because he wasn't in, he didn't want to feed the receiver narrative. Which I mean, imagine, he didn't need to. Can you imagine being there was that, no need to at can all? Can you imagine being that fast though? Where it's like I don't even want to run the 40 because yeah. then this is just going to pretty much build up what you're saying. Yep. So. Yeah, no, it's wild. He's he's so good. And and the only issue I had with him coming out of college is his ability to read more advanced plays and progressions. And he does have that weird whippy throw, but like, if you play to his strong suits, just like any other quarterback, like, it's fine. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to watch, man. He just went upside New England's head last night. Did you see how pissed off Dante Hightower was? At yeah. one point, he, that oh, guy was screaming on the sideline because they had, early on, they had no answer for Lamar Jackson. He was getting everything he wanted against them on his keepers, his ability to throw. Uh, that two tight end system that they have, they're just using that like it's going out of style right now between Hurst and your boy Andrews. Yeah, some 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 people were telling me that uh, Mark Andrews wasn't going to be any good in the NFL because uh, Oklahoma just schemed him open. Oh, you backed uh, Lamar Jackson, too. So that team, <laughs> it's ironic you live so close because you backed several of the guys on that team and now they're all making you look like, I don't know, you're underpaid. You shouldn't be on this show. You're too good for it. I'm underpaid across the board. You're not the only people. Don't worry, Keith. I'm not leaving you. I love you. you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I need all the support I can get. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson looking good. Um, Man, I was able to kind of get away from from what we were discussing because I so enjoyed watching uh, Baltimore beat them down last night. And it always feels like, oh, I get to brag about the fact that I loved Marlon Humphrey prior to that. Yeah, prior to did. that draft, and he looks damn good right now. I hate that he's wearing number oh, forty-four, yeah. though. That is a crime against humanity for a corner. I realize he changed he changed up for Earl Thomas, but blah. I don't like it. He um. Well, I mean, while while we're talking about good young guys that the Ravens have, why don't why don't we talk about a little bit about some of the good younger players that showed up for the Dolphins on Monday? Because I think. I think that's an important part of moving forward too. Christian Wilkins, yes, they won. Looks better and better every right? week. Christian Wilkins is killing oh, man. it. Yeah, like I saw uh, Brett uh, Breachise, and I think his name is. He is the like 
communications person for the Dolphins. I think he tweeted out that uh, Christian Wilkins leads all rookie defensive linemen with like 28 tackles this yeah. season, which 28 tackles is hefty for an interior defensive lineman. And he played for like and 20 seconds against Buffalo. Yeah, and so like, and I think that's like top ten. It's probably got to be top ten for all interior defensive linemen too. Yeah, he's um he's awesome. That sack he had yesterday, where he was able to just be able to kind of like whip, uh, Darnold's leg. I mean, legally obviously, but was able to just get a piece of him was cool. And you can tell like he just wants it. And I mean, the t- the tank is exciting and whatnot in that it could result in some really damn good players in uh in house this time next year but at the same time you love watching guys playing for a roster that is stripped down frankly not very good and yet you have guys like christian wilkins in there looking to just rip it up there was i can't remember i can't remember who it was um but christian wilkins after a touchdown or something ran onto the field into the end zone and hurdled a dude too, um, straight up standing up. It was awesome. Yeah, he likes to show off his athleticism. Uh, speaking of, speaking, <laughs> he's he's a scary athlete. Speaking of defense, because I I have this whole thing where I think the league is going to start trending back toward defense, but it's not going to be the way it was. Like it's not about like throwing down vicious shots and whatnot, because obviously they've been able to set up the game rules wise to take out a lot of or try to diminish and discourage a lot of the big hits that we used to see from defensive football teams. But did you watch that green Mm -hmm. green Bay chargers game yesterday? I didn't get a chance to see that, but I can, I can reference from uh, this weekend in college football. There was a a really good instance of what you're talking about too, where um, the Georgia Florida game. Uh, Did you catch all that? I watched about three quarters of it. There was a play at one point where, um, J.R. Reed for Georgia was playing like single high, which is kind of weird because usually he plays more of that, you know, up into the box safety. He has a little versatility to do both. But so Florida went to throw it over the middle to the tight end. And typically five to 10 years ago, he would have come down and blown up the tight end and never thought twice about it. Now they're teaching dudes don't even bother trying to blow the dude up. Go go after the ball don't care about the the guy anymore which is totally inverse from what they taught us when yeah, I was separating the even. separating the body from the ball yeah exactly yeah. and so he he just went and played the ball and he almost picked it off but like again if you were you know even even probably three or four years ago dudes are just running in there and they're trying to kill him the reason i brought that up is i mean if aaron Rodgers isn't the best quarterback in the league he's like a he's like one b just an incredible talent and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa just pinched him all day. Like, I mean, like they were just mm-hmm. on him. I mean, like Joey Bosa had a bull rush on Brian Bulaga that like had me almost like leap out of my seat. It didn't even result in a sack. It was pretty much a hurry, but he just grabbed him and just threw him. And like, I like I love watching defensive football like that. And I mean, like that's a I mean, the Chargers could for the most part only kick field goals yesterday. You know, which I mean, typically is a recipe for disaster when you're playing a team quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers. But Chargers defense, especially that front seven yesterday, looked awesome. Like, I mean, you had Perryman getting in there on a lot of plays, um, cleaning stuff up. So that was fun to watch. And you just can't help but think, like, it would be amazing if the Dolphins could get something comparable. Obviously, it's probably going to be, a, well, we don't even know. Their scheme is pretty much like a, 
like a shape-shifting ghoul at this point. It's always different. You know, it depends on who they're playing. You know, are they three three man front four man you know they run in a five two i mean it's different all the time and that's cool but i am interested in the the idea of sort of resurrecting this defense back to what it was like in the early 2000s when it was outstanding and you look at cornerstones like christian wilkins and obviously x isn't in there right now he's one too um you'd like this i mean mick Raikwan's under the radar been really good uh jerome baker's had an mm-hmm. interesting season but i really love him as the sort of swiss army knife and what these guys want to do going forward and then i'm bringing all this around because we haven't really talked about taco taco <laughs> uh, they have to hang on to him right because i mean like i feel like yeah things things felt different once once they were able to put him on the edge yeah, and I think I think I don't know what their long term outlook is for him. I don't think Taco is gonna be a number one defensive end on a team. Um, I think he's gonna end up being what they were hoping to get out of Branch. You know, the past couple years when Branch was in town, um, I think he can be a really serviceable third that can set the edge and can be a pass rushing presence that gets you a handful of sacks every year. Um, but that he is the perfect guy to play that down defensive end in a Patriots, you know, multi-front exactly. scheme. Where and and that's where he's thriving. And you know, going back to our our initial conversation, we were talking about you know what if the Dolphins are picking five or something like that. If they want to double down on on really investing in that spot too, AJ Epinesa, even though he hasn't had a great year, he he's a perfect guy for that job too. Yeah. So I mean, if you can rotate those two in and out, and you can get you know, 10 to 15 sacks a year out of that, if not more, that's something that you'd love to do because you've seen this year, again, they, they've played a lot of that technical odd front where it's it's a, a three-man front where they kind of line up like a four-man front where they play an overlook with the one outside linebacker. Right. And typically that's been um, Vince Beagle. Um, and so... On running downs, they'll play a look like that where they have Vince Beagle over as the the fourth rusher where it looks like a four front, it's really a, a three front with a, a linebacker over setup. That's something that they'll run on early downs. So that's that's great that you can bring in a guy like that. And Taco's been really doing well with not having to live on the edge by himself, um, having that extra linebacker in near or behind him to help him out or cover up um, when he does lock down his guy one-on-one. But I mean, there's so many things that they're doing that I think being multiple is benefiting a guy that Dallas asked to be a forefront independent pass right. rusher. Uh, and it sounds like it he just wasn't going to make it work with Rod Marinelli, but their losses are gain as far as I'm concerned, because it seems like Brian Flores knows what he wants to do with them. So mm-hmm. that's exciting to me. Uh, and honestly, for a while there, he was a guy I was interested in taking at 22 in the 2017 draft. And, you know, they probably should have. I don't know. I don't know. They could have. They I just wanted Tack McKinley. Yeah, Tacker McKinley. No. It was, was that's yeah. I couldn't remember. I was like, is it McKinley? No, you got it. Yeah, yeah no. Like, from UCLA, he was, he was so good. And he had like, 
he be the Trey Flowers multiple. of this defense. The if definition he was of multiple, now. really, yeah. especially what he was doing at yeah. UCLA. Remember that one bull rush he had? We watched his tape. Oh he had a bull God. rush yeah, where oh he, yeah. he literally put the guy into the ground. And I was just like, oh, God. So, uh, no, Tack McKinley was cool. We were not hot to trot about Charles Harris, mainly because we yeah. have a sort of distaste for Mizzou pass rushers. Fair or not? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's that's tough. It's a hard label to shed, and you don't want to drop a label on a certain school for a certain thing that they can't do X. Um, I mean, there was there was a small stint where, especially after, um, oh my goodness, I'm not going to be able to remember his name. Uh, D. Milner, right? The Jets took that was no good yeah, as a corner out of Bama. Yeah, there was there there was like a very anti Alabama corner thing, um, and then they changed schemes and started bringing in different guys. And Saban now has been popping out Alabama corners left and right that have been at least pretty good. Um, you know, so it's hard to label Missouri pass rushers, but like Charles Harris never set the edge; he just didn't right. at all, even from a two point stance. So I mean, I I just refuse to be invested in an edge player that doesn't want to invest in the game as a whole. If you want to rush, rush the passer only, that's great. I'll take you in yeah. the third round. Uh, do you think there's any chance that as we start to fit pieces together, that is there a place for him? Or do you think like we just ride it out and then it's, it's over? I, I just, he hasn't produced enough to even really warrant a spot. The only reason he's warranted a spot this year is because they came into the year with no edge rushers. And they had no choice. And they haven't had a better option. Um, I think if if you would have saw Van Ginkle stay healthy, um, I think they may have favored him. Um, again, Van Ginkle is going to do a lot more stand-up stuff and the, the you know uh, odd front over-under stuff that I was talking about before. But like he just hasn't done anything to warrant. He had like one good tackle in the Jets game. That was it. Yeah, um, you realize that, I mean, if we we're fortunate enough to be able to get like Chase Young uh, somehow, you know, su- supposedly take him at two, whatever. That's a very, uh, mm-hmm. all our pass rushers are big 10 guys then. Interesting how that worked. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So I'm hoping they, they hang on to Taco. Uh, I really like him. I like the whole multiple thing. Uh, it seems like he just fits into what this defense wants to do. And I love what this defense is able to do. It's very very angular at times in terms of how it, how it approaches the game and everything. But I like that. I think that that's really, I, I hate making the Patriots comparisons, but when you hire a coach from the tree, you're going to get that. But the Patriots are really good at just doing exotic, at, at times, ugly things that work. You know, it's not always beautiful what their defense does. I mean, their, their defense is something that morphs, shape shifts, um, contours itself to what it's trying to do against the offense and i mean we've seen it happen enough to know that it's it's been damn successful so i'd like it i'd like to get in on that i mean it's all it's also been nice to see that the defense has been aggressive that like the problem that's been for the dolphins defense for the past couple years is like they were afraid to get aggressive because they were blowing basic plays so they were if they got aggressive, they were even more worried that they were gonna blow plays. We're like, did they blow that that right before the half play? Um, 
against the past there or whatever, or whoever it was a week or two ago. Yeah, sure. But like, I'd rather see them get aggressive, especially being 0-7, 0-6 at that point, whatever it was. Get aggressive, like challenge your opponent. Don't just sit back and let whatever's going to happen, happen. I mean, look at Nick Needham blowing up oh, he, um, he Sam Donald him. this week. That That's an aggressive call yeah. at that point. You know, they knew at that point the Jets were scrambling. People weren't doing what they need to do. Sam was struggling. Be aggressive. I just Go like get the him. fact that they're trying to acquire chess pieces. You're talking in about um that jailbreak blitz, right? Against the Steelers. Yes, against the Steelers. I don't know why I was I had, thinking it was the Patriots. Yeah, when they, they were had the Steelers, they were kind of in the lead there, and then they do the jailbreak one um, before halftime against another young quarterback who'd been shaken up, especially one that would take a pretty heavy-duty hit in the right. past couple of weeks. Um, I, I did not hate the call. You know, the sometimes the other yeah. team just beat you. I don't know. We'll see. I am I am excited to see this defense continue to – build itself up though and i love having wilkins in there as a cornerstone i'm hoping tacos around we'll see what happens but i've been impressed by his football iq he looks like a smart player on the field and i feel like he kind of was painted in a different light when he was playing at michigan and a lot of people at the time and it seems like we we see this with um michigan pass rushers but it seems like people struggle to figure how they're going to fit in at the NFL level. I mean, Taco's not the only one to get that. I mean, we saw that last year too. So, I don't know. I'm very interested. And we actually made it through the show without losing anything. I just want to point that out. This feels like an achievement. Yeah. I, I think we, we've we done a nice job too. I think our, our awareness to not let this thing go under like every other time we've tried this week has yeah, been Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. If you think about it, this is the... The uh, radio tank is over for us, too, so I'm pleased by that. We'll continue to sort of look at the bright side of things. I mean, the I don't see them getting to a, though. I will say, like, it, it's going to take some real outside luck for that to happen, but anything could happen. You know, there. I mean, you don't know there's, we're, what, halfway through the season right now? So. Hey, do not underestimate the Bengals likelihood of taking a boring ass white guy at quarterback. The Bengals can always surprise you about how boring they'll be. That's true. I and mean, they are getting AJ Green back. So I don't know. We'll see. Oh, poor AJ Green. Yeah. Rest his soul. Yeah, kind of wasted his career. I feel bad for him. All right. For Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for tuning in. I don't remember what number episode this is, but this is I hate the fins. We're part of the Finsider radio podcast network. Plenty of shows for you to check out there. Uh, in the meantime, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.